No, I mean, that's like the, that's where we're going to see like the real baller stuff. You know what I mean? As we get shut down, it's like, who's got people that are still coming to their house to do like the haircuts, <laughs> you know, and like all that sort of stuff, like washing. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be the baller moves that are coming out. It's like, who, who's got like people on staff, you know what I mean? Who's got a real staff at home? <laughs> Everybody wants to be rich, but like, you got to be wealthy to have a staff. <laughs> you know, like, how did this guy get a haircut? Welcome to Pushing Through. It's Friday, and it is another day in Los Angeles in uh, in a world where we are all sitting inside and quarantining. I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong. BJ, how you holding up? Well, I am. Uh, I am. Uh, I am contained. Yes. I am quarantined. Yes. I'm at home. We are not moving. <laughs> so uh, I'm enjoying. Uh, figuring out how to entertain myself and uh, be socially responsible all at the same time. Yeah, and it's uh, it's funny how that works, right? We're, we're in this world where we're going to get into all the basketball aspects of this later on in the show. But first, I just want to talk about the, the, the situation, the, the human situation that's going on here. Because, uh, again, like you said, we are all quarantined. Uh, our governor, Gavin Newsom, came out in California today and said, you know, let's let's be safe. Let's stay at home. And uh, let's let's do that because we want to flatten the curve. Um, but I wanted to know what what is it in BJ Armstrong's heart of hearts? What is the best case scenario for a quarantine? Is it playing cards? Is it watching movies? Is it reading books? Is it hiding away in your office? Like what what is what is the number one thing that you do while you're home during a quarantine? Well, first, you know, with the uh, with the family. It is addressing the needs of the family first <laughs> and whatever that may be, right? On a 24 hour basis. So that is first, second, and third. And then after that, then we can, if there's time left, then you figure it out. Um, you know, we're doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, mostly just kind of getting to things, getting to activities or getting to you know, lists and, and <laughs> chores and things that, you know, you've been putting off. So that's really this past week. It's really, uh, um, that's took up most of our, took most of my time. And then, you know, you get to some books, you get to some playing games and really just trying to settle it, settle into a routine. I think right now, you know, uh, starting now knowing what's going to be ahead for us for the next two, three weeks or what have you, it's really starting to try to settle into a routine where, you know, this new life that we have uh, and try to, you know, get some normalcy to it. So, you know, that's getting the kids and activate our minds and activate our bodies and being to do what we can do under the circumstances that we're in. So, you know, right now it's just, we're all trying to figure it out um as we go along here and like like most we're just trying to be responsible and play our part knowing that um you know we we all have a job to do individually that's going to help the collective so uh we're doing our part here in the armstrong household 
Well, I will say this: I do not have a household. I am a I'm a one man band, you know, like, <laughs> and uh, I, I think the biggest yeah, difference, yeah yeah. I think the biggest difference between you and I is that you, I have a to do list, right? Like that I just have on my own, and then you have a honey do list. Yeah, like, I got a honey do list. this. Honey do that, and it's long. And it's let me tell you, and it is a long honey do list. <laughs> well, I hope that you're checking all those boxes and getting it done. Um, because, like I said, you know, there's nowhere to go. Um, you got to be at home, and, and now is the time to uh, to quote unquote answer the bell, as they like to say. Um, and, and in those terms, let's talk about the the basketball world a little bit, because you know we've been looking around, and obviously, you know, last week, which uh, it, it doesn't even seem like a week; it seems like almost a year ago at this point. Uh, the NBA um, decided to postpone the season. Uh, not two days later, the uh, the NCAA decided to cancel. Uh, March Madness. So we had um, both of the, you know, the staples in the basketball world taken away from us last week, along with many, many other things through the seriousness of, of what we got going on here. But just from your perspective, BJ, first and foremost, I mean, when you saw the NBA go away or when you heard the announcement, um, what, was, what was your first reaction to that? Because, you know, we've seen the players reactions. You know, there's been some people that, you know, are, have been upset, but there's obviously, you know, an understanding uh, with what's going on. But just for you, I mean, how shocking is it to see the NBA actually uh, be postponed and we live in this world that we live in now? Well, I mean, if you, you know, if you look, if you're looking at the news and you're looking at the things outside of your immediate world, right. And we're talking about basketball, you're not shocked at all. I mean, this was, I think really to be expected to be anticipated when you understand the realm and the spectrum in which we're talking about here, right. We're talking about a virus that uh, can affect anyone, especially in close proximity and certainly at sporting events and games, so forth. So um, it just seems like natural. It seems like a natural thing to do. And I think the NBA was on top of it, right? Uh, the NBA jumped on the opportunity to understand the the health concerns that, mm -hmm. you know, none, none of us can argue. So um, I, I think this is the, the, the correct thing to do at this moment and to giving until we can gather or get more information on what we can do moving forward. I think uh, it was inevitable that this was going to happen and that it needed to happen. And now we can move forward about educating not only the people in this world, in this sporting world we're talking about, but all over because it's going to affect everybody and uh, everyone has a part to play in this. Yeah, and uh, the NBA players, uh, you know, they have been at home and they've been quarantined and they've been all trying to find uh, sort of a way to, I guess, connect to the world in some capacity like we all have at some level. And, you know, we've seen guys like Matisse Thybul. He put on his entire Sixers uniform and did like a dribble routine around his apartment building. You know, I, I, feel, <laughs> bad for the, I feel bad for the people living below him. Um, but, you know, that's how he's decided to cope with this. Uh, Trey Young has been putting out highlight clips of him from ninth grade. We've seen a lot of players uh, putting out highlight clips. I, I've even seen like Rod Strickland clips get circulated. What, what happens, BJ, when you're on Twitter or you're at home and, and you see BJ Armstrong highlights pop up on the screen? Is it, is it something that you're excited to see or, or is it uh, do you hide and or change the channel or what goes Yeah, I, I change the channel. I, I cannot look at highlights or myself playing. Um, it, it just freaks me out. It freaks me out every single time. Um, just the other day, I, I, I got a something in the uh, in my timeline with uh, when I was in college playing at the University of North Carolina, and it just freaks me out every single time. So 
when I, you know, I, I was listening or I was online the other day and I saw players looking at highlights of themselves. I was like, wow, that's a skill set I don't have. I, I don't know how to look at myself in a highlight. And uh, when people send me things, I never look at it because it's just, it, I, 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 it freaks me out. I have no idea why, but it's like one of the weirdest things for me. Well, it's funny because, uh, you know, that game that you brought up, right, that was the first time that North Carolina lost in the Dean Dome. Um, I, I, like, oh, you know, I, I, I didn't like, hear you. What did you say? You cut out. What did you say? <laughs> I just want to point that out again. Jay uh, Armstrong and that Iowa team, uh, the first team to beat Dean Smith in his own building in the Dean Dome, despite the fact that he did not want to call it the Dean Dome. Um, but you told me that story a while ago that he came in the locker room after the game and was a real, you know, true sport. Not – not like what we've seen with Coach K, where after the fact he was like, "Yeah, Markel Johnson had a great game. You know, I like that kid." But Coach Smith came to the locker room and almost beat you guys at the locker room, and I, I find that to be a great story to kind of showcase a little bit of what Dean Smith was uh, back in those times. And you know, like I said, this is an ad for North Carolina basketball right now, so I just wanted to to give you a little layup moment, just say you know a, a little story about Dean Smith. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, that you know, going back to that game, um, I think it was my senior year. And I think we were the first non-conference team to beat uh, North Carolina uh, in, in that building. And um, I, I the, the one thing, it was two things that stood out. One, that we went down there and we were actually beat a team. I think they were like a top 10 ranked team at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the class and dignity um, that Coach Smith came. He came and shook every player in our locker room's hand personally. And I, and I thought he couldn't have even, he couldn't have even addressed his team because he came in our locker room. And I just thought, I just saw the class and it, it, it really stood out to me of, uh, you know, all the things that you heard about coach Smith and things he's done, but we got a firsthand example of it. And I just thought it was, it, he did it with such class and he did it with such dignity and, um, it was just, a, it was one of those moments that I, I, that just made an impact on me. If, you know, you win with class, you lose with class. And, uh, it was just a, it was, it was just a, he made a, 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 he made a huge impression on a young kid from Detroit, uh, who was just trying to find his way in the world at the time. And, um, I just remember he came in, he shook our hands. He congratulated our team, said it was a great fun, great, well-played game and uh, went about his business, but he didn't have to do that, but he did do it and uh, certainly made it, He, you know, it's just one story that I've always remembered and always tried to play the game with that type of class that I saw, you know, him uh, exhibit at that time. Yeah, and it's a lot of people that are, you know, not fans of the North Carolina program that are going to take what you said about class and extrapolate that out and make some jokes about them not having classes. But uh, Dean Dean Smith has always been classy, and we do know that. And uh, I always think that's a great story um, when we bring up, you know, you know your your past highlights and past moments. And I'll, br- <laughs> I, I'll bring up one more because uh, I saw this one the other night, and that was Michael Jordan's, uh, you know, career game where he had the most points in his entire career with 69 points. 
you were a part of that game. They were playing uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers and Brad Doherty, of course, uh, the number one pick back in the day, uh, the big man for the Cavs. And uh, you and Jordan were the two guys that kind of, you know, got a big win there. <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to point that out because a lot of times in the annals of history, you know, you may think you remember another point guard like a Paxson out there, but it wasn't. It was B.J. Armstrong. I know you won't watch it, but I watched it and I saw it. So I just had to point that out. 69 points. He owes you something for that. Yeah, yeah. He, he has 69 uh I think it was Stacey King had the, I think he had the quote of the game. He said him and Jordan went for like 71 points or something. It was, <laughs> it, it, it was, it was hilarious. Um, you know, the one thing I do remember about, about that game was, you know, I, I watched him score. I think it was, it, it was a, a minimum of like 25 points in a consecutive points in a row. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I, I vividly remember playing that game and just thinking, when was he going to miss? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just wanted to see, like, you know, okay, he scored like 10 in a row, right? You, you get like 10 in a row, you're like, man, this dude is on fire, right? Then that 10 went to 12. Then it went to 14. Now, I, I, when I say he did it in a row, it wasn't like with a miss. He had like 25 consecutive points or so in a row. Like he scored twenty five consecutive points without mm-hmm. a miss, and and I and I remember thinking, okay, let's just see how far this can go. It's like like the rest of us weren't going to shoot because we just wanted to see when when is he going to miss? And it went from fourteen points, sixteen points, and then it got to be like twenty points. It was like, okay, I just want to see can he beat this double team? Or I want to see, can he beat this triple team? And it was like, he was in such a zone, right? I mean, he's always in a zone, but he was in this like literally rarefied air. Okay. Where he was scoring points and just scoring points. And uh, I don't have the exact, but it was like literally like 25 points in a row that he scored without consecutive points, without a miss. And I, I was like, who is this guy, right? Who has the energy? <laughs> I wasn't even impressed that he scored. What I was impressed with that he had the energy to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, who has that type of energy and that type of stamina to continue to score against double teams, triple teams, and be able to execute it? So it was it was like one of those rare things that you see in life and you just go like, did that just really happen? But I remember we, all of us, like, we wouldn't shoot because we just wanted to see how how far this could go and uh it was like 25 or it was something like that 25 or 26 i know we have to confirm it here maybe mike can can look it up with consecutive <laughs> points in a row yeah and it's uh it's funny when you think about like we always talk about the game within a game uh that happens in a basketball you know environment and we talk about you know like a coach in that situation may say to the rest of the players you know stop ball watching you know stop watching michael oh no i was watching that game there there, there it was definitely a ball watch that game I, I just wanted to see if someone was capable of doing it well the answer is yes someone is capable yeah <laughs> like like how is this happening you know yeah. like what what do you do with this? Uh, it's just a different, it's a different thing. And that's why they called him the black cat. And that's, uh, that's why he had that energy that was unlike any other, because uh, I don't know, it was nonstop. And as I was watching that game, um, you know, the, the coming out in, uh, in a couple of months or maybe soon, we don't know what's going to happen with this, but obviously we talked about the last dance, um, which, you know, kind of tells the whole story of Jordan's final season uh, with the Chicago Bulls. And, 
you know, as these as these highlights and moments are coming out, we, they put one out the other day that was like him in practice, and he's just berating his teammates, you know, <laughs> and, and and everyone, you know, kind of took it as like, well, this wouldn't fly today. That's why, you know, Michael, you know, that's why it was a different era, whatever it may be. But all of these little like moments and games and stories, they're all coming back into the ether. And obviously, you were there for the live moments. So, are we doing it justice when we watch it now and, and we're giving the commentary? Because in the live moment, it had to be even more insane than it is now just watching it you know 20 years later whatever it is oh my good friend tate you know that was a different time in a different era (laughs) and you know what i hope comes from this because it's it hasn't happened yet and i think michael is the only one and deservingly so that should be able to expose who and what he what he really contributed to the game and Mm -hmm. We always talk about, well, this guy's competitive and that guy's competitive. You know, take the the truth of it is, you know, I, I don't like to say what I really think about Jordan because mm-hmm. if I said it, it, it wouldn't sound natural. And it wouldn't sound natural because I witnessed something I know I've never seen and I know I will, I don't say never, but it's highly unlikely that I will ever see that again. And we talk about people, you know, he, oh, this guy's competitive and this guy, you know, plays hard. Well, for us who had an opportunity to witness this, when the game started and in practice and behind the curtains, you saw someone, when I say the light was on, the light was on. It's on. And as I'm speaking right now, that light is still on. <laughs> it's still on. He, mm-hmm. he he he's still on that's who he is that's what he is that's what he's that's that's his dna and with no disrespect to the the current players the no disrespect you know i can't speak on the players before that i didn't get a chance to see but i can tell you from the players from when i since i've been playing basketball i haven't seen one like him and that one is just He's cut a little different than all the rest that I've seen. And I think I think maybe he's ready to share that with the rest of the world because he hasn't passed that on yet. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he didn't pass the baton to anyone. He, he's too competitive to do that. And to be that great, there has to be something a little off. Mm-hmm. And... I don't think myself or anyone who's coached him or anyone who's played with him should say should say more than that because you saw someone who played the game different than than everyone else. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. He's he's different than everyone else, and this isn't physically his preparation and mental aspect. The way he prepared for that game was different. I don't know where it came from. I've, I haven't seen it. This isn't something you can teach. Mm-hmm. And this is just something where the universe came together and just allowed us to see excellence at its highest level. That's all I can say about it. But I hope what comes from this is that he is ready to share some part of his mental makeup that's different than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. 
and, and and really and really put it all on the table because like you said it it's one of those things where uh, it is for it to be so public. It seems to be so intimate and private. And for those that do know, uh, for the you know teammates or you know even dating back to you know at North Carolina or people that knew him at Laney High School, everyone has their own story of Jordan. And most of them are like you. You and I have talked about. It. They're they're simple. You know, he's a simple country boy that you know just loves the game of basketball. And you know, he started as a role player and he grew into this star in college. And then you know, this star in college was overlooked by two guys, even though he really wasn't overlooked because both of them fit positions for certain teams and then he goes third and then he gets you know a nike deal and then you know just the rest is history and uh what's funny about it is like i was watching space jam uh the other day because this is what i've been doing during the quarantine is you know watching some of my favorite movies and you know at the start of the movie it's little michael and he basically is with his dad larry jordan or the you know they're supposed to be playing larry jordan and he just tells him exactly what he's going to do and it almost feels like that's what actually happened in real life and again this is a movie that is starring cartoons, but it is uh, somehow symmetrical with reality because that's how much uh, Michael's life seemed like a movie at times, um, even within the games. Yeah, I mean, listen. Yeah, out of respect, you know, I don't think I should say what I saw because Mm -hmm. out of respect, because if I knew what I saw, I would be able to duplicate it, right? (laughs) I would be able to, to write it down and say, this is what you need to do to become a great player. So I've just patiently been waiting, hopefully that he will share or whenever he's ready to share, you know, what, you know, why he did what he did, you know, but yeah. I, I will say this, I will say this, I'm, I'm just as excited as any fan and I, and I don't, and, and I don't use that word fan because it's hard mm-hmm. for me to watch myself play, let alone watch a team that I would play with other than to technically watch you know, the game from a technical standpoint. When I when I watch the games today, I even watch it technically. I'm like, oh, this team should have been doing this. This is why they lost. This is what they could have done better, so mm-hmm. forth and so on. So it's very hard for me to just watch a game and kind of fan out because I, I never see the I've never seen the game from that perspective. But in saying that, what I hope Jordan does open up for the rest of the world, especially the next generation, is his preparation for the game. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really hope, I hope he really dives into his preparation for the game. These players today have, they have all of the talent that you can ask physically, their training, all of those things. That's on par with, you know, it's, they're probably more physically gifted and prepared to play than it ever before. Mm-hmm. What is the, but what is different is mentally, are they prepared for all of the other things that comes with that? Because now sports is more of a business today than it's ever been at any point since the beginning. Mm-hmm. In the, in the, when, when Bill Russell and these guys were playing, it was more probably sport than business. When we were playing, it was probably the perfect balance of business and sports. It wasn't all the way business yet, but when Jordan hit it at its perfect apex, when sports and business both needed each other to continue to grow, now the game is more business than it's ever been. The game is more business now than sports. 
And I hope Michael allows people to see the following. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't say with exact certainty who is the greatest player. Michael Jordan is the greatest player I've ever seen. But I can't discredit Wilt Chamberlain. I can't discredit Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 38,000 points, even though I saw it. I, I, you know, I, I can't discredit, you know, all of the great players, you know, whether it's Russell, Chamberlain, George Gervin, George, yeah. all those players. You can, look, Artis Gilmore, Gilmore um, you know, Dominique Wilkins. <laughs> there, there's a there's a plethora of players you can name and throw up there. Oscar Robertson, so forth yeah. and so on. Mm-hmm. But what I can say with absolute certainty is that Michael Jordan understood the business of sports better than any player I've ever seen. I'm going to say that again. I don't know who the greatest player is. I really don't. He's, he's the greatest player I've ever seen ever. And I'm every year I'm looking for the next great one. Right. Mm-hmm. I saw Kobe Bryant when he was young. I saw LeBron James when he was young. I saw all of these players. Tim Duncan, Shaq. I saw him. I've seen them all. And I'm always looking to, to find the next great one too. I, I want to be, I, I want to be the guy who said, I saw this guy too. What I can say about Michael Jordan is he understood the business mm-hmm. better than any player, any player. Mm-hmm. And that is what he has inspired me to do more than anything that I've done since I met him and after we got done playing is because how did this man understand that there was a business outside of those lines? Like Mm -hmm. he understood it. There was no one doing what he was doing. There was no, there was no signature shoes. Mm -hmm. There was no Gatorade. There was no McDonald's. There, There was, there was no Hanes. There was no marketing of players. Mm-hmm. outside like he's done it and there were some great players before him there was magic there was bird, bird. there was mm-hmm. some dr j mm-hmm. no one understood the business like he did now the business is what he understood and think about it he understood it on a global level before anyone else which is wild because you think about the fact that, you know, they go and do the dream team. They're in Barcelona and he, they're he, playing basketball in Barcelona. He was so far now. ahead of his time <laughs> from this that he played in the Olympics twice mm-hmm. for business. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not saying he didn't do it because he didn't want to represent it. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is he had a concept of something way before any of us even grasped the idea. He was so far ahead of his time with the way he dressed. Perfect example. Michael's, Michael, my rookie year, they put me right next to Michael Jordan because mm-hmm. no one else in the locker room wanted to be why, be next to him. I was like, why? Like, you know, I'm just, the, I'm the dumb rookie, right? I'm like, why? Like, where does, <laughs> you know, look. <laughs> Well, after the first day of practice, I understood why, because I could never get dressed at my locker because there was always the media was around his locker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for, like an idiot, 
They <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, sure, I'll be here. You know, all right. He would never ever think about this. This was in the this was in the late eighties now, early nineties. He would never do an interview after a game unless he had his suit on. Mm-hmm. So they'd have to wait for him to shower. He'd go shower, and then he'd put his suit on. Yeah, yeah. Ice, whatever. <laughs> and he would never, ever do an interview after a game unless he was in a suit with a tie on after every game. After about 25 games, I asked him why. He said, because when people see me, I'm using this as an opportunity mm-hmm. to talk to my audience. I was like, who's your audience? <laughs> I was like, oh, what do you mean? It was your, like the audience was, the game's over with. He was like, no, <laughs> Wall Street. I want them to look at me the same way they look at themselves every single day when they go to work. Mm-hmm. And this was in like 1989, my friend, 1990. Who was thinking that way? Where was the player program that was supposed to, that was going to give me that type of information? How did he come up with that idea? Who told him that there was an audience outside of the NBA that no one else had tapped to? Where did he see this? Where did he get the idea? The games weren't, the games were, we weren't even, we didn't even win a championship yet. <laughs> Who gave him this idea? Who gave him this vision? How did he get that knowledge? Yeah. And and then and then to have the knowledge and then like you said I mean he just passed it on like that and he said it so succinctly as if it's like you know a, a common fact like he, of course he 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 <laughs> it's like he was living and seeing something that the rest of us didn't see so I I sat there and I would ask like who why were you wearing a suit who are you talking to who's your what what, what the, my audience I'm seeing people in the stands you know they got on you know some people got on suits yeah but most people come to the game. They're dressed for for a game. Yep. Who was he talking to? So did he see corporate America before the rest of us? Like, where 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 were these ideas coming from? And he said it with such conviction. Like, he didn't say it like, "Hey, I." I, I he just said, "Hey, this is this is what I'm doing." Every yeah, and, and if you watch him every single time, he used it. He used that game as a way to see him in a business suit and see him in a way that clearly he was different than all the other players. Now, he would allow me to tag along when they would do the commercials with the the Spike Lee commercials because I was intrigued with the business. Like, Mm -hmm. how is he, what's going on with Gatorade? Like, be like Mike. Who is Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I remember that. I was there. He was like, if I could be like, he's like, what you think? I was like, who is Mike? Like, who? <laughs> like I remember asking, like, who, who is the Mike guy? He was like, that's me. I was like, oh. <laughs> I, I was like, who calls you Mike? I was like, no, none of us call you Mike. Hey, Mike. Like, we you know, I'm making fun of the guy. Like, who calls you Mike? <laughs> you know, the, Tate, this is what I saw, Tate. You know, I I just was, these ideas now that we take for granted, he did these all on his own. There wasn't anyone who taught him how to do it. There wasn't anyone who taught him about the business like Mm -hmm. we all see it today. Somehow he knew the business and he had a plan. Mm Mm-hmm. And the most imp- and, and and the thing that was incredible was he executed this plan. 
and I, 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 I marvel at what he was able to accomplish because there was no manual. There wasn't anyone he could talk to about this. He just did it. He was yeah. on his own. He figured it out. And it was almost like someone came down, gave him the information and showed him something because he executed this and he did it and he didn't hesitate while he was doing it. Mm-hmm. How he knew this tape, I, I really don't know. I can't tell you. I cannot tell you, Tate, how he knew what he knew from a business standpoint. And to watch what he's achieved and his impact on the global community with Nike and his, and what he built over there with them with them with them Air Jordans. <laughs> I cannot tell you, Tate, that, that that that's not an accident. That is some it, type of that is some type of intervention. Because Tate, he knew something. I don't know what he knew. I have no idea. I watched it. I tried to study it. I tried to... Mm-hmm. I, the, the basketball, yeah, that was great. How he understood that this business would... It was Tate. If I didn't know better, it was like he knew that th- he could grow this game. Mm-hmm. Not the Chicago Bulls. He knew he could grow this game into a billion-dollar operation if I didn't know better. And he was leading the charge. He and executed he, and delivered on every single thing that he touched. He delivered. And it's, and it's basically the blueprint now, right? I mean, that is what well, he created. It's the blueprint, yeah, yeah. but think about it. No one else has executed to that level of excellence mm-hmm. since. Yeah, it's the blue. Here's the blueprint. Go out and, and win 10 Scoring titles and six championships. Yeah, and you you can <laughs> okay. Go out and be first team all NBA, first team all defense, defensive player of the year. Go out and do the like everyone tells me they want to be a brand. Well, here's here's the blueprint how to do it. No one's done that yet, but everybody wants to tell me they want to be a brand. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of talking about. I want to be a brand. Well, a guy averaged 20 points a game. Now he's a superstar. What? <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? I saw a guy average 37 points a game, and mm. people was like, ah, he's just a, he's a sideshow. Guy averaged yeah. 37 points a game without shooting a three. <laughs> With hand checking. Yep. And then we're going to start comparing the way the game is played today to that. No, that, that, that's something a little different. Them people, he was traveling commercial. (laughs) You understand me, Tate? How he understood this business, how he understood the business of sports to this level is beyond me, Tate. I am beyond impressed that he understood what the rest of the owners and the league understood and executed it that we all, myself, you as the fans, mm-hmm. the people in the, the media, the teams, the players, we've all benefited because of his excellence. Mm-hmm. We've all benefited. We've mm-hmm. all benefited. The arenas that you see being built, the way the players are playing from all around the world, all those players that saw him play in the 92 Olympics, they looked up to Michael Jordan. And all those mm-hmm. players today 
they watch Jordan and the come fly with me videos. That's what's their inspiration and why they have the confidence to come here and play today. The game of basketball and the, 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 the business itself owes everything to that, to that, that guy right there. And no one yet has duplicated that. Why Tate? Cause there's only one, the now, originator. Well, is that, no, I, I will argue, <laughs> I will argue this. We're all trying to figure out how to be the best player we can be. Mm-hmm. But this is what he understood. Who cares who the best player is if the player off the court isn't developed to the same degree that the player on the court is? Mm-hmm. Who's helping these players understand the business to that level so that the person is just as prepared as the player? Because mm-hmm. you can't have one without the other. You can't have one. Dean Smith's contributions to Jordan's success has been, to me, one of the most undervalued things ever because Mm -hmm. he had the greatest individual talent there in a system for three years and helped to shape and mold that individual talent to understand and respect the and value team basketball and team sports. And it wasn't an easy process. You know what I mean? He had James there in the building and, and, and it was a, a, a back and forth. He wasn't allowed to be on the Sports Illustrated cover. He was called Mike by, you know, Coach Smith for a little while. Like you said, who calls you Mike? Coach Smith called him Mike. Okay. okay. <laughs> to humble him a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. greatest individual talent had to learn how to play in a system. And that, to me, is probably the greatest feat I've ever seen. Because today, there's no place for this player today to learn and value that and understand that because of the way the game is played today. So that's what I saw. I hope that this, you know, that's a long-winded answer, but I hope that this... (laughs) documentary dives into that so that the rest of the world can see it and hear it from him. Cause I think he has so much to offer and share into his true mindset that only he can do it. Well, we, uh, we're waiting patiently for, uh, for it to drop so we can see, uh, you know, and, and see Michael at at that level and let him, you know, kind of tell his own story. You know, like you said, it's a, it's a wild thing for it to be uh, a reality. It feels like a movie at times. Uh, It does feel like Michael Jordan may be an alien at times uh, because (laughs) like you said, he may have gotten some insider information um, before he really started to uh, develop his career. And again, you know, you you talked about guys like a Luka Doncic when he comes over to the United States, he wants to side with Jordan. He wants to be a part of the jump man. Uh, Zion Williamson coming out of South Carolina when he's, you know, blowing up, he wants to sign with Jordan. He wants to be with the jump man. And uh, that's what a brand is. And, and he created that brand uh, from an idea, which is to take flight and to uh, <laughs> and to never come down and to keep flying. And uh, 
you know, a lot of people are trying to find their wings in this world. And uh, Michael Jordan was one of those guys that found it before we even knew we could have wings. And uh, and that is, uh, I think, a legacy unlike any other. But uh, before we get out of here, I want to do some uh, some house cleaning stuff uh, just for the podcast for pushing through and just kind of let the people know what our plan is uh, moving forward. So the, the plan as of now is Tuesdays and Thursdays we will be recording. In fact, we may be recording more than that, but we were planning to put out shows Tuesdays and Thursdays. We got uh, a, a slew of guests lined up. Uh, people are at home. We have the ability to record them at home. So BJ and I are going to be calling people at home chopping it up, seeing what people are doing in their quarantine times, uh, see if people are playing spades, right, BJ? Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> and just figure out and figure out what's best and uh, and see who wants to hop on and uh, and keep pushing through with us. So that, that's the plan, right, BJ, as, as far as I can tell? Absolutely. You know, we're going to keep literally pushing through this. And uh, But Tate, I, I, I'm giving you a mission. We yes. have What's to that? find the app or create the app ourselves where we can play couples cards. We got to play spades, gin rummy, yes. something. That is my, that's my, I'm on a mission to do that <laughs> because right now, I, my wife and I, I know we're, we're, we're unbelievable at the card games, <laughs> but we're ready to take our, our, we're ready to take our competitive spirit to outside yes. of our in-house competition. And it's time. And I, I tell you, you, you got to get that done for us. I'll, I'll do my best. I'll find the app. I will say this. We're playing gin rummy right now in my household. We're, we feel the same way. You know what I mean? The competitive spirit, it's oozing inside, but we want to turn that to the outer world. You know what I mean? We want to face people. Uh, we want to see what, what's up in the world. See if people understand spades. Just see if people are still playing card card games and and board games all those you know all the other stuff that uh that we love to do so dearly um so yeah we'll figure that out we'll lock that in and then of course we will be back next tuesday to break on uh you know all things that are happening in the world of the quarantine for you and i um and also hopefully have a guest or let's not even say hopefully we will guarantee a guest on tuesday we will have some video behind it we will have some good things going and uh we're gonna keep pushing through and we hope that you continue to join us and continue to go on this ride as uh as we live in this new world and uh we figure out what's best for everybody and again we'll keep playing cards we'll keep playing spades and uh we'll keep this thing pushing all right and if you're in water my friend let's make waves (laughs) 